Hi, welcome to Talking Contemporary, where we will hear directly from artists and creatives from Southeast Asia as they share about what it means to make art in this time and the challenges and encounters along the way. I'm Bianca Winata Putri, curator, writer, and researcher originally from Jakarta, Indonesia, and now based in Melbourne, Australia. In this episode, I'm joined by Abhijan Toto and Rosalia Namsai Chuan from The Forest Curriculum. The Forest Curriculum is a multi-platform project for research and mutual co-learning around the nature cultures of Zomia, which is the forested belt that connects South and Southeast Asia. The platform was founded and co-directed by curators Abhijan Toto and Pujita Guha, and with Rosalia Namsai Chuan, they first came together through a shared interest in film and cinema, and have continued to organize exhibitions, public programs, performances, video, and multimedia projects. They are currently based in Southeast Asia and operating internationally across Bangkok, Yogyakarta, Manila, Seoul, Berlin, and Santa Barbara. What is interesting about their practice is that they work through and with a network of artists, researchers, indigenous organizations and thinkers, musicians, activists, as well as other collectives in producing their programs. In this conversation, we talked about the importance of making space for discussions, of slowing down time in building relationships, and how we can work sustainably together. We also talked about some of the challenges they faced working and researching collectively, one of which is the idea of collectives and collectivity being overly romanticized in the arts, especially in relation to Southeast Asia. Abhijan, Rosalia, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having us, Bianca. Yeah, thank you. Um, it's wonderful and such a, you know, such a, Great bio, lots to share. But I wanted to ask before we start our conversation, um, do you have anything to add to that? Have I missed anything? Yes, your own bio. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. And- <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll share a little bit about me. I'm uh, Bianca Winata Putri. I'm based in Melbourne, Australia. Um, I'm currently a PhD candidate in art history and theory, focusing on contemporary Southeast Asian art exhibitions, narratives, um, and artist-led practices. Yeah, and it's so great to have uh, you both. I mean, Rosalia, you're in New York, so I really appreciate the kind of early-ish time that you're at. And um, Abhijan being at Bangkok, we're trying to find the best time that works. Um, and I think it's just fantastic that we can connect, um, yeah, through this platform. I feel like we all have lots of connections and lots of overlapping ideas and thinkings that we could share, um, which is which is also really central to your practice as the forest curriculum um, and the way you guys work as a group and with networks, which I find very unique and very much part of your, or very central to your practice and your projects. Um, so I guess before we start, maybe we'll sort of track back to the very beginning. So how did the forest curriculum come together? Right. Um, well, I mean, at the risk of sounding, you know, like in that kind of retrospective mode of, um, you know, old man at 4 a.m., um, I, I think, I mean, I think that it really kind of came together out of a shared love of cinema, which is something that um, all three of us have a particular, um, a very particular interest in um, and, re- and, and really shared perspectives on. And I think this is something that has brought us together and, and kind of keeps bringing us together 
over and over again. I mean, like most of the time, our group chat is just us nerding out about you know the the latest video piece that we've from one of our friends, etc. That we're that we just watched and we just can't wait to talk about. But I think, you know, kind of backtracking a little bit, the shared love of cinema in particular that kind of led me and Pajita to kind of initiate the conversations that would lead to um, that would lead to the formation of the forest curriculum as it is today was um, was the work of La Diaz, the Filipino filmmaker who's kind of known for um, what has been called slow cinema, um, but particularly, um, I think particularly for us was a very, very interesting viewpoint into the ways in which um, the idea of the forest had been articulated. I mean, I think that we're all very, I mean, I think that, you know, globally right now, and, you know, rightfully so, everybody is very, very familiar with the work of uh, but I think um, Diaz is somebody that I think fewer people watch just because, you know, not, not everyone has eight hours um, to spare all the time. Um, but um, But I think that, it was around the time when uh, Pujita uh, was writing her thesis on on the on the cinema of Las I was I was living and working in the Philippines with, um, with the private foundation and beginning to kind of think about um, the fact that there was so many incredible practices um, already existing, whether in cinema, in um, the visual arts, sound practice in particular, um, other forms of research that. Um, that really articulated this relationship to nature in a way that was very, very different from other places. And this has been, um, and what we found as well was that this has been articulated in exhibition formats, in, um, you know, publications, et cetera, ad nauseum. And you've seen, um, you've seen it kind of in almost an entire generation of, um, of practitioners doing this, but there, there hasn't really been a space that tried to create a kind of an, um, a broader network around these questions um, and that was doing this in a kind of sustained fashion. I think working on these projects with them, with artists, I, it kind of gave me a perspective on the ways in which what is generated by an artwork is more than just what is present in an exhibition space, but rather a series of ideas and a series of operations that one can bring into the world in other ways. And I think abstracting from that question, I began to think about what is it then to think about the work of La Diaz or the work of Abhichakam as a series of operations that one can um, expand into um, a wider um, sort of um, artistic or, or, ide- or a political position. If that, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I think also this idea of working with and through networks um, and of working collectively is something that the forest curriculum not only embodies, but also continue to challenge, question and critique. You know, what does it mean to work as a collective across geographical borders? And what does it mean to work collectively and collaboratively today? And as a group, I think you developed, you know, exhibitions, workshops, programs, but perhaps most central to your practice is collective research and co-learning, which I guess also informs the name Forest Curriculum. Um, Could you share more about this? For sure. Um, Maybe I could talk a little bit about that, but I think that maybe another thing that that would be great for also, I think, to bring Rosalia into um, is sort of the the question of collectivity and collective practice and the way that um, I think this is something that is is very, very important in in all of our practices, um, in addition to the question of cinema. 
Um, and I think that it, because it, because I think it ties up very well to this question of the name, et cetera. I think that for us, one of the important questions was how does this come back and how does this um, become something that is sort of commonly held? Um, and the other part, of course, was coming from a kind of anarchist position, um, not necessarily looking to a position in the West or, you know, um, et cetera, but, or even um, necessarily uh, what we mean by um, anarchist organization in Asia. We've always, we've kind of half joking, we always said that the the name was um, somewhat of a fuck you to the idea, to the, the idea of the Anthropocene curriculum um, at the Hakave in Berlin. Hostel uh, Hostel in Berlin, um, and it's I mean, which is which is kind of true, but not in the sense of saying that oh, all your ideas are bunk just because you're sitting in Berlin, but rather as a kind of um, a prompt to ourselves to think about how to always think with others and and to always create spaces that are um, that are always with um, that that are that are always with with and alongside etc rather than trying to create a kind of another ivory tower situation, which kind of creates these barriers of access. And I would say, you know, and, and the reason I say it's a prompt is because there is no already existing methodology for how to do this perfectly. And this is a space to experiment with how to do that. And, you know, we've articulated this in, in, in other texts, that this is an experiment to think about the university or, you know, and the idea of a center of learning otherwise. Um, Rosalia, I, I mean, I think that, you know, you have a lot of thoughts about these ideas of collectivity and also regionality. Um, and I was just wondering if you wanted to jump in here too. Yes, sure. Um, yeah, I, I also want to refer back to, to what, what you just said about like the practices that are already existing, but articulating this, this relationship to nature that is fundamentally different to a relationship that is inherent in capitalism and like extractivist, um, projects. Of, of being in the world. And I think this is also what, what connected us in, in the first place as an interest, but also as like a value and something that, that we really believe in. And yeah, I've been, I've been working with film communities in Indonesia and I will talk about it more later, but um, what, where, where it brought me basically to, to watch all these films that were being produced there was like, that I really got a geek into this notion of knowledge and what we even consider as knowledge. And it's like, oh, this is art and this is experimental, but it's not knowledge. But also thinking about how historically knowledge has been legitimized, what what are all the structures and mechanisms behind it? Because in the end, it's it's not just about like, oh, this is knowledge or this is art, but it's it's about world making and what what kind of world we are building because when like i work a lot on the ground and then when you think about like ngos or like organizations what what kind of data what kind of knowledges are they drawing on when they actually implement programs so i think that's also an angle that makes it a very important task to to rethink um and to re reevaluate um how how we even think about about in, in, into which like systems we want we want to put the works, and I think, yeah, this is something that that really connected us. And then, yeah, collectivity, I think is a, and this also relates to to Zomia and also critique of this whole concept of the nation state. And what what I've seen in Indonesia and experience when I was doing field work there is that the practice is very collaborative. 
And so, and also in film, if you think about film production, it's, it's, it is possible, but it's like mostly impossible to make a film alone. So it, it does, it, it's not really like you have to think of it as like an assemblage and a network. And it's weird that often films are discussed only by like mentioning the director as if it was like a direct translation from from the brain to the screen, which is not the case like there. So, and yeah, I've been looking into the process and, but in Collaborative practice is also a practice that emerges when possibly the state as like a supporting funding structure is absent, or at least that's the case with the collectives I've been working with. And then you have friends and you have each other and you kind of help each other doing things and you build your own structures that are outside of like the dominant institutions and structures. And it's a whole different way of organizing so yeah, I think, but I think it's important to also not romanticize it too much because there's a lot of challenges to this, especially to to be able to do it over like a longer period of time. And I know that there's a lot of discussion about like instituting it, like within even if there's so much critique about like structures and institutions, it there is some change that needs to happen to make it a sustainable practice because yeah and I think that that's that's like also something I don't have an answer to but it's it's an interesting discussion that we are also thinking about as we also like practice collaboratively like how can we keep on doing the things that we are doing and like making and holding space for for these kinds of practices absolutely no I think you know as, as Rosalia very keenly pointed out that there has been this tendency to to romanticize this idea of collectivity, particularly within the region, and you know this this very much comes out of um, a very particular, um, I think, a very particular reading of um, the the recent art history of the West um, on of itself. Like we're we're talking about you know, these moments of oh, there was you know there was this collective, there was that collective, this group, etc., um, of great individual artists, and then kind of kind of refracting that onto the region and then saying that, oh, um, it's almost the same thing, but then, oh, they're doing some things differently. Um, verse, and then, therefore, from that, also romanticizing this notion of uh, what it means to do things together. And on this side, um, where this idea of... Um, this idea of collectivity, because you don't have state, you know, don't, don't have state support, et cetera, et cetera, um, you know, kind of also gets romanticized in another direct, in another way as well. Um, I think, you know, standing at sort of this kind of collision point where we're kind of seeing these these narratives play out in different ways and in, in, in different institutional settings as well, I feel like it becomes more important to think about, you know, what are the stakes in um, in creating, producing and um, and 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 perpetuating these notions of collectivity beyond just this 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 um, beyond just this this um, yeah beyond these narratives that we're kind of in, being forced to inherit in a way. That's incredible. I, I absolutely love that last point about belonging and allowing for your partners, your collaborators, your networks to have a sense of belonging in what you do. And that I know that the collective is run or, or founded by uh, you, Abhijan and Pujita and, and Rosalia, but I think it's it's a lot more than that. And I, I mean, I, I wish we could bring as many guests as possible into this conversation, because uh, I think that's where your projects grab have that um, sort of 
new expand the idea of collectivity expect, sort of not de-romanticize but i guess really look into what does it mean to work with networks and as you said um abijan how to always think with others um but i'm sure that also has its own struggles when we individually have our own um opinions our own thinkings and you know sometimes we come into disagreements um how how have that been for you guys what are some of the challenges of working um collectively not only between the three of you but also within within networks I mean, I feel like the the main, you know, some of the main channel challenges are, you know, just stemming from the kind of infrastructures that we're that, that we're inhabiting, um, and you know, for you know, like you know, we, we're every you know, the, the the thing of like the paucity of funding, etc., is um, is something that that's that's very very real to to all of us, but also the ways in which um, existing funding structures and funding networks function, right? Um, a lot. The the thing is, uh, most of the time we're you know because it's it's a sort of a kind of an um, a quote unquote artist slash curator run um, structure. There we don't necessarily have um, you know a board of directors etc. Behind us, that's going to, that's giving us you know whatever ten thousand um, US dollars um, a year to, to to run our programming. But instead, we're having to kind of go from. Um, go from you know program to program which is sometimes great because it allows us to kind of have um a flexibility of the way in which we're working the people that we're working with always having to um kind of challenge ourselves and push ourselves to um to kind of uh, be able to to, to 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 kind of be working on and on doing the next thing but a lot of the time as well we also realize that it kind of drives us to that you know, point of exhaustion point of burning out etc and that's when you kind of have to step back and think about okay what is the way to, to do this in a more effective manner how how do we how do we keep this ideology of redistribution alive while also sustaining ourselves um through this process and I, and I don't mean just you know financially or economically but also um intellectually and artistically um i think that the i think that you know as we're seeing more of this kind of institutionalization of um these you know these kinds of practices i think one of the things that from the other side um should be a, a, a sort of an important question is how to you know how to support these kinds of uh, these initiatives that are that are trying that are trying to work in these very very hybrid ways and i think this is something that we um struggled with a lot uh Rusale, do you want to add anything here yes yeah yeah thank you for for bringing up this this question of how to yeah how to engage with communities how to work together because i my background is anthropology so and there's like a legacy of how to engage with communities in anthropology that is very violent and deeply problematic um and i think for me it's always been this like meta reflection all the time what am i doing like am i contributing also to to structures that i heavily want to criticize but i'm within this system i come with funding from a western institution like and like trying to create what we are doing now with with the forest curriculum is also trying to create these spaces where we where power structures that are a reality where they can be like eliminated or temporarily experimentally disrupted so these are like the conversations we're having and the spaces we're trying to create and um yeah and also like when when you 
try to set up a project like what is your accountability is it towards like the funding institution or the people you're working with um and i think this is also something that is also in the back of my head where i maybe started as an anthropologist to be like what is like interesting what will get me published what is like academically interesting or what is But then is it also important to the community? Is it even like, what are they? And I think this is also what Abhijan mentioned when getting funding. If we want to engage with the community, um, we can't really say before we start a project what exactly it's going to be because we didn't have this conversation. So I think it's also really important for us to have long-term collaborations that go beyond the, the framework of one project. So I try to create these spaces also with the people I'm working with where we have these analytical and more like more meta discussions, which I think it's not only my task to do it. And um, this is very hard to realize within structures and institutions, also like funding wise. Then what you mentioned about the disagreement, like what do you do when you have disagreement, which you always will have when things don't make sense. And then you end up with something that is that needs to be comfortable with it and to to sit with it and to accept it and to leave this gap also open and not nail it down on one story, like one explanation. This is what the situation is and this is other reasons. There's going to be different perspectives. And I think in like conventional legitimized knowledge, people are just very uncomfortable with this, like openness and ambiguity that to to leave it at this point and yeah but we we have to get used to it we cannot just like have one story or one perception of of a situation and i think these these are the kind of spaces like physical virtual we are trying to create like we're trying not to arrive at a thing that is like defined and can can never change yeah For me, for in my own practice, I wish I'd think about what is it that we're trying to do and trying to imagine together um, around a particular context or around a particular question um, that we can do um, in a particular space. And I think that this is also where this idea of like working together on, on on a longer term, so that you never kind of like you're never like saying that okay, this exhibition is basically you know we're just trying to work towards this particular show, etc. But it is that you're trying to work together with people or um, towards um, a larger idea or a larger um, form of organization. Um, I mean, to give you a couple of examples, um, you know, the forest curriculum is definitely one of them, but I think that another, another idea, another concept that I work with a lot is the idea of exhaustion and something that I've been working with, um, for many years, um, where I was thinking it began out of this kind of, um, engagement with the way in which exhaustion is, um, is instrumentalized um by by states to to kind of clamp down on, on dissent um through to the the physical exhaustion of people on you know who are protesting on the streets but also you know to other forms of exhaustion but it, it kind of grew into this um this larger inquiry into the ways in which exhaustion is a tool of sort of you know neoliberal capitalism to to kind of manufacture assent, to manufacture, um, um, you know, a, a kind of a conformity of various kinds, and to therefore work from other ontological uh, positionalities that propose the inhabitation of time, the inhabitation of bodies, the inhabitation of, of, of um, sort of collective inhabitation as well, um, differently. And from that perspective, think about, okay, what is it, therefore, to think of 
labor from the perspective of fungi? What is it then to think about um, the question of trauma um, that is, you know, that is collectively held and therefore collectively articulated? What is it then to think about, you know, um, a body that is shared between people? Um, you know, thinking from the works of, um, you know, dancers that I worked with that were working with, um, the, you know, that were working with ideas of possession or the ideas of, you know, um, different, you know, different beings um, occupying a body together. And so I think that when, when we're talking about this notion of collectivity uh, within, you know, and how um, the curatorial can access that and also to create new spaces for it. I think this is something that is really, really important to really think about what forms of knowledge an artist is um, engaging with and thinking not only about, okay, how do I present this in the best possible way, but also how do I create a space for people to come together, to access this knowledge together and to then do something with it. Yeah, no, that's that's incredible. I feel like that's, that that focus on process instead of result kind of comes back to what we spoke about before, but moving away from that institutional thinking and expectations and and really trusting the process, trusting the journey. And I think also it's a little bit about being vulnerable, really, like being open to, yeah, being open to criticism, to input, to feedback, to plans changing um, and I think when we become vulnerable and o- open ourselves up to these dialogues, there's a lot more that we can get from the projects, from the discussions, and it just becomes a more meaningful practice. Um, I am very conscious of time because we could easily go on, and I, I have a lot more questions from you guys. You're, you're incredible, not only just as a collective, but also your individual research and projects. Um yeah, it's it's. Anyways, I can go on <laughs> for another two hours, maybe. Uh, but I, I thought I might uh, sort of wrapping up this recording. Um, I've got a couple of final questions, more of like a rapid question um, ending, where I ask um, each of my guests in this podcast series is. Um, I just have maybe four questions that I'd like to ask you, um, and maybe uh, Abhijan we can start with you, and then Rosalia, um, and they're just quite rapid question so first one is um what are you currently watching or reading um and maybe it's more watching from since you guys are of film fans <laughs> um, but abhijan yeah what are you currently watching or reading um it's interesting because um a few days ago we were kind of like collectively watching um a, a few videos by this wonderful indonesian um filmmaker ria rizaldi and his and his work is something that we've been really obsessed with um, and this is, you know, just just within the collective. It's something that we've been really obsessed with. Um, he had a really beautiful film called Tellurian Drama, which has been doing the rounds in some festivals recently, you know, from um, from you know, Rotterdam, etc. And um, I think it articulates um, sort of the our our kind of obsessions with questions of you know of media and media infrastructures, indigenous knowledge, and 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 and, and place um, and. Um, uh, in a really beautiful way. I mean, also using the the questions of the shamanic, the questions of uh, of sound and music. So I think maybe that's that's something that we're kind of you know repeatedly watching. Apart from that, I'm watching a lot of anime on, on Netflix. 
during the pandemic. I love that. I love good <laughs> anime. <laughs> and I'd love to get the title of that uh, film that you guys watched. Um, uh-huh. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, there's there's a bunch that, that I'm kind of obsessed with, um, particularly one called Ghosts Like Us. Um, but the other one that, um, but the one I was just referring to is called Tellurian Drama. Um, but yeah, Rosalia? Yeah, I'm also, I mean, yes, we're watching these works together and like rewatching them as I'm writing about them. I'm like rewatching a lot of short films from Indonesia at the moment. I'm also curating a Thai film festival in with, with a collective in Berlin. So I'm watching a lot of Thai films at the moment. And I think now it's just like one film pops pops to my mind that I, I really appreciate. It's an archival film. It's called Tongpan. And it talks, and I think we also brought it up during our discussions in the project because it's like, it is basically an, it like almost like in, ethnographic insights into the negotiation of a dam project in in Thailand in like I don't know about the time I would need to check the time frame but like back then when this and it shows that because often we have this narrative that like these mega projects come to places and like this victim narrative of the local population but it really shows the struggles and the intellectual endeavors of the local population who were already very very aware they were not like yay development amazing um, it's kind of a document because it's an archival film and it shows this really amazingly it's it's with the Thai film archive and we're trying to to screen it in Berlin if we get the funding to also look into like the the histories and the trajectories of, of these discussions that we are trying to have now um, that happened before we were even born. I think that's that's really interesting to also be aware of of this. And then I also just started I'm really into audiobooks recently because I can just walk around and do stuff and listen to something. I think that is one of the pandemic outcomes. And yeah, I'm I started this novel, Something New Under the Sun, um, by Andra Kleeman, and I'm very excited. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. I, I, I'm very interested in audiobooks. Haven't got into it yet, but I feel like I'm soon going to do it. I feel like it's a good thing to have when you're washing dishes or cleaning the house and just have an audiobook. I feel like that makes so much sense. Um, another probably irrelevant question but you guys have uh, Rosalia spent time in Indonesia um, Abhijan I'm, I don't know if you've been to Indonesia um, or mainly with, with Southeast Asia I wanted to ask what is your favorite food Rosalia from Indonesia and Abhijan what is your favorite food from the region because food is such a big thing uh, for us I mean yeah I have a whole list but I'd love to hear what what's your favorite food it's hard okay I've at least I think everywhere it's just the the abundance of fruit that I really love, fresh fruit, where I don't have a favorite one, but I really, really enjoy. And then in Indonesia, now I'm thinking of the, um, you need to help me with the name now. My, my brain is not fully on yet, but it's the rice that is cooked in coconut milk. With like oh, nasi, nasi, nasi uduk, nasi, oh nasi uduk, oh nasi uduk, yes, yes, yeah. Sorry, I love my, it. my partner is just chiming in nasi uduk. <laughs> I thought nasi uduk. Oh, that is yum! Oh my gosh, that, yeah. that's I love a lot of food. Like I'm a big fan of all mm. Indonesian food, so nasi uduk is really good. That's yes. a, that's a good one. <laughs> what about you, Abhijan? 
Oh my god. No, I mean, I feel like I, I, I can't give you a, a single answer to what my favorite food in the region is uh, without like offending everybody else. So I'm going to play the fifth <laughs> on this one. <laughs> That's so great. And yeah, I'm totally with you, Abhijan. There's so many good food. It's hard to pick a favorite. Um, so my final question to wrap up our wonderful conversation is, what does art mean to you? And to make this even more of a challenge, I wonder if you could respond in one sentence or even crazier, maybe one word? I mean, I think that we've kind of both articulated our, our response to this. I think, you know, um, the way that we kind of come, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to try to, um, I, I mean, I'm not going to try and answer this in a sentence, but maybe a very long run on sentence. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, because I feel like the way that we've both come into this has been um, more from this obsession with the idea of practice. And I think that um, for us, the, I mean, I mean, I will, rather for me, I think that the, um, that the, that what, what keeps bringing us back to art is this, its capacity to kind of create, um, you know, new possibilities of how we look at things and how we approach things and how we um, are together. And I think that um, that's, you know, the, 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 the capacity of art to kind of create um, sort of spaces for imagination is, is the thing that kind of brings us back to it. So, I, I mean, it's, um, it's I, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm very against the thing of saying, oh, this is what art is to me, but I think that this is what art means in relation to my practice, rather. Rosalia, you want to take a crack at it with one word? <laughs> yeah, I guess to me, if, if it was just one word, but I want to add to this, in like, in my very, very personal, and this is also how it started, it's therapy, definitely. And, but as I like now think of it as like a conceptual space and also a space of encounter with other people and engaging with the world beyond myself, it's the only space where I can feel we can engage with each other and also express ourselves in ways that just, yeah, I can't really rationalize it, but just that don't feel so wrong. So it, it just is a space that feels more natural. Yeah. Oh, gosh, that's beautiful. Beautiful responses. I mean, they're very personal and it's a hard question to ask, really. <laughs> um, so, yeah, thank you, guys. Thank you both. I mean, you know, we could go on for hours and I'm looking at my my time. We've, we've gone on a lot. Uh, but I, yeah, really thank you for joining us for joining this conversation there's so much that i'm learning i've got heaps of notes I, I don't know if you can hear my typing but it was kind of rapid here and there uh, but yeah i just learned so much you you guys are doing incredible works and really inspiring research and practice and um rosalia i hope we can catch up in indonesia soon when, when definitely you back. Um, lovely yes. yeah and Abhijan, I'd love to go to Bangkok. It's actually uh, also on the top of my list once I can travel back <laughs> after Indonesia. It's like the rest of Southeast Asia I have to go and yes. just, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Beautiful. Thank you so much for having us, uh, Bianca. This was such a wonderful conversation and, I, and one I hope to continue. There is so much to learn from Abhijan and Rosalia about what it means to work collectively today. One of the key takeaways from this conversation for me is to make space for gatherings, exchange and discussions to occur across borders and allowing them to take their own shape or form. It is such a rich and interesting discussion and I can't wait to connect with them again in the future. 
You can find The Forest Curriculum online at theforestcurriculum.com and on Instagram at Abijan Toto and at Rosalia Namsai Engchuan. You can find out more about The Forest Curriculum on Talking Contemporary Instagram at talking.contemporary and on our website talkingcontemporary.com. If you have an artist or creative you'd like to hear from in our future episodes, please send an email to hello at talkingcontemporary.com. Thanks for listening and we'll see you in the next one.